Welcome to the Lovecraft Tales, a brief fictional interlude to tide you over until the next episode of the Lovecraft Tapes. Enjoy. It's the last summer before I leave for Nunes Community College. I'm 18 and ready to take on the world. Finally getting out of the boondocks and making something of my life. Doing something right and worthy for Mama Whiteside's sacrifice. Meantime, though, my little sister and I will make the most of this summer. We're sitting at the kitchen table, just having finished our lunch and drawing over tall glasses of lemonade. Leah wipes her mouth and grins at me. What's that big smile for, I sign. Without a word, she bolts out of the house and scampers into the sugar cane field across the trail. Well, here we go again. I think I'll give chase. I follow the telltale signs of broken cane stalks to the edge of the woods. Leah! I yell teasingly. I know where you are. She can never hide from me. It's like I'm connected to her. Or maybe it's because she always hides in the same place. Now where did you go? I pretended to be stumped but then suddenly pulled back the covering of our makeshift fort. Gotcha! She isn't here. What the hell? I walked around and back down the trail to the swamp. You better not be down here. I'll tell Gemma if you are and you won't get dinner. She knows better than to go near the swamp. There's gators. Leah! I shout, keeping my voice even and calm, trying not to show how angry and scared I'm becoming. Game's over now. Come on out. That's when I hear Leah's perfect little giggle, the only sound she's able to make and only makes it when she's with me. I look over my shoulder and see her 15 feet up, perched in the wedge of a weeping willow. When did you learn to climb so well? I asked. Smiling, she signs, always. You finally beat me, I admitted. But let's see who win the race back to the fort. I run at full throttle catching her off guard. By the time she's back on the ground, I'm long gone. I'm chewing on a sprig of wild mint by the time she arrives, sweaty and panting. She collapses at my feet, leaning against my legs in our usual pose. For a few minutes, we're content to rest and listen to the sound of the swamp. Finally, inevitably, she asked me to tell her the story again. It was a long and rainy night, I began, as I always do. Mama was trying to find us a dry place to stay. She was like that, only thinking of us. You were just past your first birthday and squalling most of the time because you were so hungry. Ice cream was the only thing that would shut you up. Leah scowls at me. Get to the point. It was hard living for Mama after getting away, I continue. She never let us see how hard, though. Just when she thought we'd have to sleep behind the tiger truck stop again, we met Gemma. Gemma came right up and demanded we get in her truck. Mama refused at first, but Gemma would take no for an answer. We had the best meal of our lives, sweet corn casserole. I can taste it now. Gemma made up our beds and we were out like a sack of taters. Leah grabs my hand because the sad part is coming up. Mama woke me up with her hand over my mouth. You gotta be quiet, Jackie. 
she whispered. He's here. She met Aaron. I felt my heart grow cold. He was pounding on the front door louder than thunder. I grabbed you and hid under the covers. This part of the story was hard for me to tell, but it was important for Leah to hear. Mama ripped the door open and Aaron fell into the room. Aaron wanted to take us back to the compound, but Mama would not have it. To save us, she begged Aaron to take her instead. Mama promised to stay with him if they left together right then. He accepted. She kissed us both and then disappeared into the night. We stayed under the covers until morning. Leah squeezes my hand a little tighter. We woke to Gemma yelling, What the hell went on in here? You know how she yells without raising her voice. I explained what happened. She didn't bat an eye. You'll just have to live with me until Mama comes back then. We finally had a home, a safe home. Now that the story was over, Leah leaned over to give me the biggest hug. I hugged her back. Let's head back. Gemma's probably done with the Jackson's daughter. I can't help but feel bad for Mary Jackson. She's been sick for almost six months. Doctors can't diagnose her vomiting or pocked rash. Gemma has a knack for helping others. We head back to the house. Leah runs to the back shed and peeks through the side window. She waves me over a quick movement of her hand. I join her and peer inside. Gemma is on her knees outside a circle of white chalk, speaking a language I can't understand. Within the circle, Mary Jackson is suspended in the air. Her head is cocked back, mouth wide open in a silent scream. Near the ceiling, a thin gray wisp of smoke or fog writhes in the air. I want to look away, but I can't. Just then, Gemma looks directly at the window, into my eyes. An unseen force pushes us both backward. We tumble to the ground in tangle of arms and legs. I'm more scared than hurt, and Leah's startled tears tell me she feels the same. I grab her and we run back to the house. About an hour later, Gemma comes in with Mary. The Jackson girl's different. Her skin is clear, no sign of rash anymore. She smiles, a spark of renewed vigor glittering in her eyes. Jack, fresh Mary some water, Gemma says. I jump up as fast as I can, knowing I'm in trouble. I bring the water back to the kitchen. Mary takes it gratefully, draining the glass all at once. Gemma is watching me intently. I'm so sorry, I begin to say, but she cuts me off with a wave of her hand. Soon after, Mary whispers into Gemma's ear and gives her a small parcel, which Gemma slips into her apron pouch. Then the Jackson girl is gone, skipping cheerfully down the road back toward her parents' house, a couple of miles away. Gemma smiles at both of us. I think we'll have sweet corn casserole for dinner. Once our dinner plates are clear and our bellies are full, Gemma leans back into the chair and surveys us both. Setting her mouth firmly, she begins to tell us the truth. My mother was Lila, the queen of the bayou. I've heard the name around school. Lila was supposed to be a voodoo witch. Leah glances in my direction. Evidently, she's heard of her too. People like to talk in these parts. 
Our family has practiced magic for generations. We've used it to help folks. Sometimes something bad gets inside. I can clean up the mess. Does that make sense? We both nod, and that is enough for Gemma. She lets us clean up the dishes, then while away the evening with a puzzle. Later, in bed, I'm dreaming of strange spells and shadow creatures lurking beyond the circle of white chalk. I am jolted awake by Gamma whispering sharply in my ear, Jack, he's here. I know exactly who she means. Gamma rushes to the common room while I rouse my sister. Leah is wide-eyed. Go, I command in a low voice I barely recognize. To a hiding spot. She climbs out the window and into the darkness of the night. The sound of splintering wood in the other part of the house scares me. I exit the bedroom. Aaron is standing in the broken doorway. Gamma's on the ground. Get the fuck out of here, I yell, though my voice is quivering. You have no claim on us! Anger rushes through me, and I charge directly at this man who took my mother so many years ago. Before I could react, a meaty arm swats me to one side. I sail through the air like a rag doll, striking my head on the cast iron stove. Flashes of white fill my vision. I try to get up, but there's a sharp pain in the lower back. I slump back. In the fog, I hear a hauntingly familiar voice. Gemma's chanting. I look over to where she's lying on the floor, and she's pointing her pinky at Aaron. A gust of air blows past me in Aaron's direction. He doubles over in pain, grabbing his ears. Gemma's eyes roll back in her head. She chants, growing louder and louder. Aaron pukes and run outside screaming, The bats are eating me! His voice fades into the blackness and he's gone. After a few moments, I clear my head. I crawl to Gemma and grab her hand. Protect Leah, she gasps. Only the whites of her eyes are still showing. They're coming for her. Wincing in pain, I manage to stand up and hobble outside into the yard. There's no sign of Aaron anymore. I make my way slowly toward the hiding spot, the fort. I'm halfway across the cane field when I see her, watching me silently just a few yards away. Leah, what are you doing? She doesn't respond. I move as quickly as I can towards her, but as I get closer, I sense something isn't right. Leah is trying to sign to me, but her movements are in slow motion, as if we were underwater. I run faster, but as I reach her, I'm surrounded by a thick blackness. It feels like I'm moving through mud. The more I struggle, the tide of the darkness embraces me. My breath feels as if it's being squeezed out of my lungs. I waver to the edge of consciousness. A hand falls on my shoulder. It's Gemma. The thick darkness is suddenly gone. Gasping for air, I ask, Where's Leah? She is gone, my boy, Gemma says. For days I search. There's no sign of my sister. Weeks later, we bury an empty coffin at Fairner Cemetery. As the gravediggers begin to fill the hole, Gamma puts something in my hand. A silver pocket watch. It's my father's, she explains. It will protect you when you need it most. Just open the face and run your thumb along the symbols. Despite my love for Gamma and her gift, I'm filled with rage as I watch that coffin covered in dirt. I will find Leah, and I will find whoever took her, and I will make them pay. 
The Lovecraft Tapes is copyright 2017. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com.